This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Hockey Hotbed. My name is Nick Berlansky, and usually on this show, I like to bring you the top storylines from across the NHL, the best of the on-ice product, but at the same time, I also cover all of the off-ice issues, all of the off-ice news and storylines as well. And the on-ice product and most of the other off-ice product doesn't even take a back seat this week. It's not even in the car. The entire hockey world looks upon the Chicago Blackhawks right now due to the findings of an investigation into their mishandling of sexual misconduct in their organization during the 2010 Stanley Cup playoffs. Earlier this week, a report from Reed Shar of Jenner and Block Law Company was released detailing that investigation into the Blackhawks. And then on Wednesday, the day afterwards, Kyle Beach came forward to reveal himself as John Doe on an interview with Rick Westhead of TSN. The whole investigation circles around former Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich. Somebody who, through this investigation, was revealed to have sexually assaulted Kyle Beach during the 2010 postseason, possibly assaulted another black ace of that Chicago Blackhawks team, and he was also sending inappropriate text messages to other members of that Chicago Blackhawks team. Now, I urge anybody who can to read the full 70-page document. It's not an easy read, I can promise you that. It's, it's not easy to speak about. I'll give as many details as I can here in this episode, but I do urge you to go find that 70-page document. I know it is definitely on Elliot Friedman's Twitter handle. I know I retweeted it on my Twitter handle, at the Hockey Hotbed. So definitely, if you can, go and read that. But if not, I will detail a lot of the events that were outlined in that investigation here on this episode. Brad Aldrich, in the investigation, it came out that During the postseason, he invited Kyle Beach over to his apartment after a night out. And the details were a little bit back and forth based on whose account of it was. But plain and simple, it seemed as if Brad Aldrich forced himself upon Kyle Beach and sexually assaulted him. Now... Where this investigation realistically circles around is the mishandling by the Chicago Blackhawks, the failure to adhere to their own principles and their own standards for these types of situations. And the epitome of that really all started on May 23rd. A confidant of Kyle Beach's, an unnamed employee of the Chicago Blackhawks, told John McIsaac about the possible encounter. McIsaac dispatched Jim Gary, who is the team counselor, to go and speak to the player and find out what happened, get his side of the story. Gary, at that point, has a conversation during the intermission of a game between the Blackhawks and the San Jose Sharks. That ended up being game four of the 2010 Stanley Cup, or excuse me, Western Conference Finals. Gary, during the course of that conversation with Mr. Beach, confirmed the employee's story. He turned to McIsaac to inform him of the substantiated claims. Now, this is where the system failed. 
After McIsaac learns about all of this, there's a meeting of the top heads of the Chicago Blackhawks organization back in 2010. In that room, following game four of the Western Conference Finals, is John McDonough, the president of the Chicago Blackhawks, Jay Blunk, the executive vice president of Chicago Blackhawks, Al McIsaac, senior director of hockey administration, Stan Bowman, the general manager, Kevin Sheveldayoff, the assistant general manager, and then eventually they were joined by coach Joel Quenville, who at the time was head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. Jim Gary was also in there at the beginning of the meeting. But during the course of that meeting, these six gentlemen discussed the claims that were substantiated by the player, John Doe, in the investigation, and now we know is Kyle Beach. And Jim Gary also backed him at the beginning of that meeting. So the entirety of that meeting then became about what they're going to do about it. And listen, none of us were in that room, so understandably, we don't know exactly what was said. But based on the interviews that were done by Reed Share and the investigation and the notes that were released on Tuesday, it seemed like a couple things were definitely true. It seemed like a couple of the gentlemen in that room stated and made comments about keeping team chemistry and dealing with this after the season. Something that is not just wrong. There's so many more words that are more powerful and more accurate as to what making statements like those in this type of situation is. It's absolutely just appalling that this train of thought actually went through the head of multiple individuals in that room. Now, it also came out that some of the gentlemen in that room believed that this situation was in the hands of John McDonough, the team's president, because he was the highest ranking officer in the organization that was in that meeting. And they also believed that they were all to focus on hockey because of how hard it is to get to the Stanley Cup. That prioritization from any of the individuals that had that thought about a championship over the well-being of one of their players is dangerous. It is completely inappropriate. And it's 100% ignorant. There should never be an instance like this where an individual's safety and their well-being was thrown under the bus in exchange for Team goals, team success, championships, Stanley Cups. So that May 23rd meeting, out of that, nobody said anything. The Chicago Blackhawks went on to defeat the Philadelphia Flyers in six games in the Stanley Cup. Nothing had been said up until that point. Nothing had been said after that point, during which... The Chicago Blackhawks celebrated a championship with Brad Aldrich. Now, in the meantime, Jim Gary, the team counselor, was told that it was being handled. Jim Gary conveyed that to Kyle Beach, that it is being handled, that it has been taken care of, that people are worried about it and they're taking care of the situation. But at the same time, Brad Aldrich is still the team's video coach. He's still around the team. Beach has to see him every single day. 
there was no action throughout the entirety of the Stanley Cup post playoffs, the Stanley Cup finals, or the five days that followed in celebration of a cup victory. Aldrich was permitted to be around the team because they didn't do anything. You can see pictures of him with the Stanley Cup on the ice right after the game. Pictures of him with the coaching staff. Pictures of him at the celebration at a Chicago Cubs game with the entire team. He was there because they didn't take any action to keep him from being there. Eventually, the Chicago Blackhawks Human Resources Department was informed of this on June 14th, five whole days after the Stanley Cup victory. And they did take swift action. Aldrich was brought in. He was given the choice to either resign or take leave of absence until an investigation had been completed. And with that option given to him, Aldrich resigned from the team and signed an agreement to stay away and not contact any Blackhawks personnel about his leaving or the terms of his departure. Now, before all this even happened, Aldrich also assaulted a front office worker in the cab between the end of the Stanley Cup Finals and this meeting with Human Resources. He left the Blackhawks organization in 2010, but was also permitted certain things after he left the organization. He was given a day with a cup in his hometown as customary for most Stanley Cup champions. His name is still engraved into the Stanley Cup. He was given a championship ring. And not only that, but he continued to work in hockey. He worked with USA Hockey. He worked at the University of Notre Dame. He worked at Miami University of Ohio. And then eventually he worked back at his hometown in Houghton, Michigan for the high school there. None of those jobs, according to the investigation, called for a reference from the Chicago Blackhawks. So based on this investigation, the Blackhawks did not refer him or give any type of reference for Brad Aldrich following his departure of the organization. But there was still no investigation done. And that, to me, is something that keeps the Chicago Blackhawks culpable. I know that he had left. But there still needs to be investigation to substantiate these claims and still to let people know. Somebody who does the acts that Brad Aldrich did shouldn't be allowed to work with kids. Shouldn't be allowed to work in hockey. Shouldn't be allowed to realistically work that close with anybody in the same situation that he put some of the Chicago Blackhawks players in. Predominantly, Kyle Beach. And we see what the result of that is. A couple years later, he is arrested and charged in his hometown of Houghton, Michigan for fourth-degree sexual assault of a 16-year-old. That is a direct result, in my opinion. This is no longer news. This is, in my opinion, that was a direct result of the Chicago Blackhawks getting him out of their organization, and then being done with it. They're, they needed to do more on an organizational standpoint. 
the gentlemen in that meeting needed to do more, 100% more than they did. They waited three weeks after finding out about this sexual misconduct to say anything to their HR department, to say anything to basically anybody. John McDonough, Jay Blunk, Al McIsaac, Stan Bowman, Kevin Sheveldayoff, and Joel Quenville were all aware of this for three weeks. And in the meantime, somebody else was sexually assaulted. And then the organization as a whole didn't say anything after he was out. And then somebody else was sexually assaulted by this individual. Something else that I found absolutely disturbing was that, according to the investigation, teammates would mock Kyle Beach in the year following at training camp. Something that is a very vast issue in the NHL and has been for some time is the treatment of younger players by older players in the league. Do I think that there has been strides taken? Yeah, I I do. I think there have been many strides taken in that department, but I don't think we're at a point where we can say it's handled. Not when this was just 10 years ago. But that is the investigation. That is the majority of the details in the investigation. Obviously, it gets more detailed whenever you go and read the full 70 pages. But that is the gist of what it is and the gist of the gross misconduct of the Blackhawks organization in addressing this issue over 10 years ago. Once this all came out on Tuesday, obviously there are a lot of statements that come out. And I'm not going to read you every single statement that was made by every single party. The Chicago Blackhawks had a statement. They said, quote, on their Twitter page, First, we would like to acknowledge and commend Kyle Beach's courage in coming forward. As an organization, the Chicago Blackhawks reiterate our deepest apologies to him for what he has gone through and for the organization's failure to promptly respond when he bravely brought this matter to light in 2010. It was inexcusable for the then executives of the Blackhawks organization to delay taking action regarding the reported sexual misconduct. No playoff game or championship is more important than protecting our players and staff from predatory behavior. The statement then goes on to say, the Blackhawks have implemented numerous changes and improvements within the organization, including hiring a new leadership team that is committed to winning championships while adhering to the highest ethical, professional, and athletic standards. Again, that is from the Chicago Blackhawks Twitter page, released just hours after the investigation was made public. A lot has happened in the days following this. Uh, NHL fined the Chicago Blackhawks organization $2 million as part of this. I know a lot of people are upset about that number that is not high enough that the Blackhawks should be fined by a lot more money. I'm not exactly sure how this fine was worked out. I would like to know how many people in that front office are still there from 2010. We did see earlier this week that the Blackhawks general manager, Stan Bowman, as well as Al McIsaac, the last two gentlemen that remained from that meeting in the Blackhawks organization, they stepped aside. Realistically, it should say they stepped down. I don't think either of them should be working in the NHL for the rest of their lives. Their careers should be over. But as of right now, the current 
wording is that they have stepped aside. Jay Blunk left the Blackhawks back in August of this year after 14 seasons with the team. Do you think he kind of saw something coming there? So he's no longer with the organization, no longer in the NHL. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman will be meeting with Florida head coach Joel Quenville on Thursday, so the day before this comes out. And next Monday, he'll be meeting with Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Dayoff to talk to them about their parts in this absolutely horrific handling of this situation. Now, obviously there's more to this story. There's always more to this story. I hope that in the past 20 minutes, I've given you a good bit of information as that is the the gist that I have worked out here. There's obviously way more around it than what I mentioned here. But the last thing I do want to talk about is the fact that the NHL allowed Coach Joel Quenville to be behind the bench for Florida's 4-1 to win over Boston on Wednesday. I don't know how that happens. I, I, I don't understand how you don't send a message and say, hey, sit out this game. I understand he hasn't had his meeting with the NHL commissioner yet, but sit out this game. Don't be behind the bench. It's just another instance of the NHL not handling things in the right way. Not handling things in the appropriate way. So obviously this story is far from over. All this information is a lot, but it is is definitely not the end-all be-all. Keep an eye on, on what happens to Joel Quenville. Keep an eye on what happens to Kevin Dayoff, and keep an eye on what happens as a result of this across the NHL. I'm going to take a quick break. When I return, I'm going to finish off this episode with my three stars of the week. I'll be right back. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN 
when you visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. Once again, promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Obviously, it's been a very heavy episode up to this point, and for good reason. Allegations against the Chicago Blackhawks and the investigation against the Chicago Blackhawks for misconduct of handling sexual misconduct back in 2010. But we do want to end it with the three stars of the week here at the Hockey Hotbed, starting off in Calgary with the number three star of the week, Andrew Mangiapani of the Calgary Flames, Five foot ten up there and scoring goals like no other. I mean, we know another, do I want to say undersized star up there that is kind of getting pushed out. Is this the reason? Is the reason that Johnny Gaudreau can be in trade conversations because they found themselves another Martin St. Louis-esque player in Andrew Mangiapani? I know a lot of people stated before the season was going to start that they thought that he was going to have a really good year. And so far, so good. Off to a really good start. In this past week, he has scored five goals in just three games played. Now, by the time this comes out, he will have played a fourth game against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Thursday night in Pittsburgh. So he might be adding to this total. He might not be. But regardless, he is my third star of the second week of the NHL. Technically the third week of the NHL, but second time I'm doing the three stars. Not only did he have five goals in those three games, he's had back-to-back goal performances on Monday and on Tuesday against the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils, putting his goal total at seven on the season. Now, he doesn't have any assists. You'd like to see him pick up a couple of apples. But seven goals in, what, six games up to this point? Again, not including the Pittsburgh Penguins game that happened last night, if you're listening to this. But as of right now, the... The Calgary Flames are 4-1-1 to start the season. We didn't know what we had with the Calgary Flames. It's the same as always. They have a lot of really good players on paper, but do they always perform together and do they always get the job done? No. We didn't know how they would perform without their captain, Mark Giordano, who got selected by Seattle. But as of right now, they're playing really good. They're putting some really good games together. And Andrew Mangiapane is a big portion of that. Like I mentioned, seven goals on the season. But in this past week, five goals in three games played. So third star of the week, Andrew Mangiapane. My second star of the week, we're moving it over to the Eastern Conference. The first time I've ever put a goaltender in my three stars. It only took two weeks, but that's fine because goaltenders have really good weeks. It's a position of... Either you're really hot or you're really cold. Not very often are you in between, especially in the matter of one week. The second star of the week this week for me and for the hockey hotbed is Ilya Sorokin of the New York Islanders. He hasn't played in a game since Sunday because the Islanders haven't played a game since Sunday. But Ilya Sorokin had back-to-back shutouts last weekend on Saturday and Sunday, first at the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday, Then on Sunday at the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas itself is a really tough place to play. I can't imagine being a goaltender going into Las Vegas and trying to keep your wits about you. It's already hard enough to be a goaltender in the NHL. Understandably, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, we've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast not being there. Vegas has had a little bit of a tough time putting the puck in the back of the net. But it's still not an easy place to play. Still definitely not an easy place to get a shutout 
And Ilya Sorokin was able to do that to cap off a brilliant 48-hour period for himself. 42 saves on Sunday to shut down the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's not for a lack of trying in Vegas. But Ilya Sorokin was able to shut the door for the New York Islanders. On the season, Sorokin is 3-2-1, has a 9.33 save percentage, and a 2.34 goals allowed average. Looking really good in his second year in the NHL since coming over from Russia. Last year, he split time with Semyon Varlamov, and it was understandable trying to get used to North American ice, trying to get used to the North American style of play. And I thought he performed really well. He had really good numbers last season. And then this year, of course, with Semyon Varlamov being injured off the bat, Sorokin has been able to come in and step in and be the number one guy. They have Corey Schneider as a backup, but Schneider hasn't seen the ice. Luckily now for the Islanders, Semyon Varlamov is coming off the injury list. So we'll see how that duo is dispatched by head coach Barry Trotz this year now that Varlamov is healthy. You would imagine if Sorokin continues to play the way that he did last weekend that he's probably going to get the majority of the starts. But once again, I mean, there are people that had Semyon Varlamov in Vezina voting early this year. At least Vezina bets. Vegas had him high up the list for Vezina. So we'll have to watch how that crease action plays out in the island. On the island, I should say. But as of right now, Ilya Sorokin, second star of the week for me. Back-to-back shutouts for the New York Islanders. This is the second time I'm doing my three stars of the week. And if you would have asked me two weeks ago, before I had even put one out, which team I thought would get two players first. I would have thought maybe the Edmonton Oilers with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and very well could have been. I would have said maybe the Maple Leafs, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews. I would have said maybe the Rangers with Panarin, Adam Fox, Igor Shosturkin. I would not have thought that the first team to get two representatives in my three stars would be the Detroit Red Wings. My first star of the week, 19-year-old Lucas Raymond of the Detroit Red Wings. Two weeks, two Red Wings, making my three stars. Last week, Tyler Bertuzzi was my third star of the week, thanks in most part to his four-goal performance against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But this week, the number one star, Lucas Raymond, 19 years of age, had three goals and five total points in three games this past week. Now, the majority of those points were collected on Sunday in a 6-3 to win for Detroit, where Lucas Raymond had a hat trick and then also an assist. So he had a four-point game against the Chicago Blackhawks, looking really, really good early on here in the season. He's been impressive. He's been very, very impressive. And specifically... That performance against the Blackhawks on Sunday. A little bit of history for the Detroit Red Wings. Obviously, Detroit has a vast history being an original six team. But Lucas Raymond becomes the second teenager in Detroit history to score a hat trick. Behind general manager Steve Iserman. So yeah, Iserman Raymond. That's a pretty good one too to have your name in. Not only that, but he became the third teenager ever in Detroit Red Wings history to score four points in a game. Steve Eiserman did that before as well. And so did Gordie Howe. So you don't want to put too many expectations on the young guy. But he's already being mentioned in the same breath 
wow, I can't speak, in the same breath as Gordie Howe and Steve Eiserman in Red Wings history. You got to love it. You got to absolutely love it if you're a Detroit Red Wings fan. In total this year, Lucas Raymond has four goals and eight points in seven games. He's a stud. I mean, this guy, it was kind of a surprise whenever he made the roster. There was a question whether or not he would, and there was a question whether or not Moritz Sider would either, but Moritz Sider also killing it on the back end for Detroit. But Lucas Raymond not only made this roster, but has been impactful for Detroit so far this season. I've heard Elliot Friedman compare this to the first year of Austin Matthews for the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe not to the level, but how fun this team is to watch with Raymond, with Sider, Dylan Larkin's playing well, Tyler Bertuzzi is playing very well, and this team is much better than it has been in the past couple of years. Are they a playoff team? Probably not. They might sneak in. It would be very difficult for them to sneak in, but it's been fun to watch the Detroit Red Wings, and when is the last time you've been able to say that about that franchise? So shout out to Lucas Raymond. First star of the week for the Hockey Hotbed. And here are my three stars of the week. Like I said, Andrew Mangiapane of the Calgary Flames, including his back-to-back two-goal games against the New York Rangers and New Jersey Devils earlier this week. Ilya Sorokin is the number two star of the week for me. A 42-save shutout at the Vegas Golden Knights highlights his performances. And then Lucas Raymond, the number one star of the week for the Hockey Hotbed. The third teenager. To score four points in a game for Detroit, including Gordie Howe and Steve Eiserman. What company to keep if you're Lucas Raymond? Last week, I had a YouTube video go out about who's going to score more goals, Lucas Raymond or Dawson Mercer of the New Jersey Devils. And granted, that was before Lucas Raymond <laughs> put up a hat trick and became the second teenager to ever do that in Detroit history. But yeah, as of right now, Dawson Mercer, one goal. Lucas Raymond, four goals. So we'll keep a track of that as well. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Thank you to everybody that listened to that early portion about the Chicago Blackhawks. There is more information that will come out, and I will obviously keep all of the listeners here updated. But that's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, hockey fans.